It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Uh, it's fun Friday day, and, you know, I'm always in a good mood, particularly when we're broadcasting live from Sapphire Gentlemen's Club, Topless Bull. Uh, they treat us like kings here. We're having a lot of fun, and we're broadcasting live here for the entirety of the show. We've got some very special guests lined up for you, and, man, we're going to be having a good time today. Uh, we got a couple great comedians that are going to be here in hour number two. Uh, one of my favorite comics is Steve Byrne. If you haven't seen Steve Byrne, he headlines a Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club uh, regularly. He's just the best. He's awesome. He's going to be here in hour number two. Uh, like I said, a lot of very special guests uh, joining us. Josh Wolf is going to be here. And, uh, you know, they treat us so well here. And I keep saying it over and over again because there are a lot of distractions here at Sapphire. Uh, good distractions, not bad distractions. But uh, I'm telling you, man, this, this place is the place to be at. Uh, if you want to get some sun, I'm a little light-skinned, as you can see, but get some sun, have a good time. Uh, this is the place to be at. So please come down here, say hello. Yeah, we are going to be here for the entirety of the show, and we don't leave right after the show either. Uh, you know, when I'm at the radio station at KSHP, all due respect, uh, I'm just out of there. I want to go home, and I want to do other things. Uh, at Sapphire, I am in no rush. Uh, I'm in no rush. We're sticking around. You're having a good time. Uh, so anyway, we have some very special guests. And I want to introduce the guests we have here. Uh, Brian Slipok, who owns Jackson's Bar and Grill, is uh, here today. And uh, I invite him. I'm sorry to drag him out here, but uh, Brian is here. And, you know, uh, a guy that I met through Brian, you've probably heard of him before. Alleged organized crime ringleader. I try to be very careful when I say that. Uh, but his stories of uh, old school Vegas are incredible. Frank Citro joining us here as well. Frank, thank you so much for being here. Brian, thanks for being here. How you doing, gang? How's everything going? I'm doing good. You're looking really sharp. I like good the hat, the good shirt. To be back on site. Yes. Brian, be careful what you say. This is a tough guy over here. And I'm not I'm not joking when I say that, so be very nice. Okay? I know he's in his eighties, but he still scares yeah. me. Brian's got a mouth on him, you know, so he got he's gotta be careful with what he says around here. I feel here. like I'm over your cookie in between two Brian's. <laughs> That's funny. So I wanna start off with Unfortunately, some sad news. I had a chance to meet this gentleman, uh, the legend, uh, maybe about seven or eight years ago at a charity event. Of course, I'm talking about the loss of the legend himself, uh, Tony Bennett. Uh, Frank, I'm sure you have plenty of Tony Bennett stories to tell, but what's your first reaction? Obviously, you sad know, news. Actually, I heard about it late last night. Anthony Benedetto was his real name. Uh, this man was a champion like no other he'd been around for long uh i think it's like 96 he passed away yeah i mean i don't know of one person that ever had something negative to say about this man he was admired by other great singers that's a tribute to his legacy when other people admire him and uh this is a sad day for our world because there aren't too many other people left like him I agree. You know, he. Uh, I met him. Uh, there was the Andre Agassi charity event uh, that was done every year at MGM Grand. Um, as Brian gets right up in the middle of the interview to pour himself a soda, but that's okay. That's okay. 
the, the drinks are flowing here. You just spilled on Frank, by the way. You right. just spilled on, on, on the alleged mobster. Not a good idea, Brian. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. He don't uh, drink a lot. He spills a lot. <laughs> yes. So I, I got a chance to meet Tony Bennett, and I saw his, like, sound check. And this was – the guy was still up there in age. He was in his 80s. And I couldn't believe how much energy this man had. You know, at, you he know, used to go to the gym almost every day, even yeah. as an elderly man. Because, see, when you're a pro – you stay on top of your game. And he knew being healthy, which he was facing a lot of things yeah. at that time, right. was a very important thing to him. Yeah. You know, people don't realize singing is a job. Yeah. I mean, you know, your vocal cords are just like your biceps. you got to exercise them, you mm -hmm. know? I just don't know where all that energy came from. At his age, he was still up there performing, and he was such a showman. Did you have any personal interaction with him? I actually did. Uh, I happened to have a recording at my house of a friend of mine uh, who is really sick right now, and he happens to have a voice that is so similar to uh, our lost friend, if you put him side by side, you couldn't uh, mm. tell the difference. And he wasn't imitating it, which is natural voice. He was up here in Vegas some years ago, and then his health took a terrible turn, and he went back to California. And uh, Tony Bennett heard him. We yeah. made him play a new uh, a new song that we wrote for him. And Tony Bennett says... Keep this son of a gun away from me. He's too good. He's the real deal, you know. I mean, when somebody like, you know, he's not a rich little. He's not trying to impersonate. Right. He, that was his voice. Right, you know? right. I mean, and, when uh, you think of some of the best of all time, obviously a name like Frank Sinatra comes to mind. The Frank. Rat Pack, of course. Frank was my very good friend, as you know. I, I do know that. And Tony Bennett's right up there. He's oh, right yeah. in that conversation of one of the most unique voices and showmen. In the history, and a legend, but but the history of him. And, and he was performing in Las Vegas before it was really Las Vegas, right? When Bugsy Siegel just got here. I mean, I mean, he was he was Mr. You know, they call Wayne Newton Mr. Las Vegas, but I think Tony Bennett could deserve that name as well. You won't find too many people that would make him a second string singer. He was top notch. He was yeah. top notch. Really, really sad to hear about that. Well, I have to ask... Uh, both of you, uh, I guess I'll start with you, Frank. Uh, what do you got going in the works, man? It's been a little while since we spoke. Well, you know, what's going on in, in really, Frank Citro's life? Really, I got something that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it for the first time on air. Very shortly, folks, I have my own show coming up. Oh wow! And it's got gonna be the typical wise guy show. It's uh. It's going to be a little bit more uh, than these other guys that are doing it. The big difference is this. Those guys that are on the air now are rats, son of a... I can't say it. <laughs> the difference is I'm not a rat. If you want to hear the real deal, the real stories, tune it to me. You want to hear the BS, you listen to those other son of a bitches. <laughs> So when you use the term rat, a, you, a word that is used a lot, uh, whether it be in mafia movies or That's whatever. a guy who has stooled. And what I mean by that, he has testified against somebody. So can I he, ask you, Frank, yeah. back in the day when somebody, and I'm sure this has happened to you mul multiple times in your life, many times, somebody ratted you out. It could have been for a crime, an alleged crime. It could have been for anything. How many times has that happened in your life? And do you know people now that are still alive that have ratted on you back in the day? Well, 
without uh, trying to get myself in a jackpot, <laughs> anybody who ratted on me already celebrated their last birthday. <laughs> oh, wow. If you wow. think I'm kidding. No, I don't think you're kidding. Step on my toes, even as an old man. I don't think you're kidding at all. Uh, I think you're completely serious. How but, many people in your life have ratted on you? Like, serious. I mean, I would say, uh, well, my big case, that when I was facing 720 years, they put 51 people on the stand against me alone. And finally, my lawyer said, isn't that enough? <laughs> 720. Yeah, I was facing 720. How many years were you sentenced to in that case? Well, you know, it's a little too long to go into it, but uh, I caught a little break. A lot of people don't know about the RICO Act. Mm -hmm. I was sentenced under the RICO Act, but there is two statutes of the RICO Act. Mm -hmm. One is basically says for every count, you do 20 flat. And the other statute says you could do from 1 to 20 depending on the discretion of the, the judge. Now, in my case, the judge really knew that the government went up and beyond the call of duty to get us all convicted. I mean, I can't, it's too long to go into it now. Understood. And he did not believe in the RICO Act. Yeah. And at the time, whether you want to believe it or not, and I'm not a liar, it's proved all over the world, the government had maybe one, two RICO lawyers. We had nine. Oh, wow. <laughs> when the government could only come up with maybe two. So yeah. our sentencing was a little different. A lot of our time ran together, you know. But uh, before trial came on a lot of motions, a lot of those years were knocked out on the counts. You know? And now, my understanding, you are still black booked from casinos. Yes. And you are trying and you have been trying to overturn that. Right, you know, I don't know how hard I'm trying, but I just saw a girl come by. I like to try that. <laughs> I think I got a better shot. Uh huh. Than getting out of this black book. <laughs> you know, I don't want to tell you something before I get into. You know, years ago I got arrested in Atlantic City for peeing in the pool, and I said to the lifeguard, Wait, "What? I got arrested for peeing in the pool." I said to the lifeguard, "Everybody pees in the pool." He says, "But you're doing it from the diving board." <laughs> Oh my God, that is that is hilarious. Is that a true story? You really? No, got... I meant. Oh, okay, I thought you were being serious. I don't know. <laughs> it's a funny joke. Brian Slopak likes funny jokes like that. Oh, it's, very, it's a very funny joke. So here we are now, Frank, in in your later years. You're retired. You have a lovely wife. You're enjoying Las Vegas, living the good life. You, you're having a good time. When you reflect on, you know, I got to stop you. That's your assessment. <laughs> I ain't having no freaking good time. <laughs> and I enjoy in Vegas. You, like seem, I used to do. you seem happy, though. You know what? I'm happy to be home yeah. with my family. I'm content with that. I'm not content with what they have done to me and persecuted me all of these course. years. Of course, yeah. And that's what's going to be on my new show. I'm going to be bringing people from Jersey City, New Jersey, on a journey to Las Vegas and how I became the man I am today. And you're, uh, I would imagine you'd be talking a little bit about uh, the movie Casino and how you were uh, in plenty of talks with the, with the uh, very famous director of that movie. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And you had a lot of interaction with a guy by the name of Lefty Rosenthal. In fact, you once told me a story about how you smacked him at the Stardust. These are once at the Stardust, once in California at the racetrack. Can you okay? So you gave me the Stardust story already, but if if it's okay, can you tell me the interaction you had at the racetrack in California with Lefty Rosenthal? Well, Robert De Niro's, you know, the character that Robert De Niro played in Casino. Yeah, that a winner. 
anyway, so, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I have to be a little discreet here, so I don't, sure. once again. Understood. But, you know, we're at the racetrack, and I was doing business, and uh, Lefty wanted to move in because he was a Mr. Know-it-all, and <laughs> he had the name and this and that. And he wanted to take over some business. Right. And I made it apparent to him that that wasn't going to happen. And uh, when he tried to be a little indignant by throwing uh, Tony Spalatro's name at me. The guy who plays I Joe, Joe Pesci plays yeah, his role. Yeah. Yep. I give him a pagliada. That's an Italian smack that he did a backflip and it never was brought up again. Was Spalatro uh, there when this happened? No, no, no. If he was there, how do you think that would have went He still would have got slapped. <laughs> So after you smack Lefty Rosenthal, who is, oh, listen, let's be honest, right? I wasn't alive at that time, or, or, you know, this was a long time ago. If I was, I was very young. A lot of people feared Lefty Rosenthal. You didn't... They feared him because of Tony. Right. That's the only reason why they feared that person. <laughs> I told you a long time ago, they should have slapped him for wearing the clothes he wore. He was the most... <laughs> Uncoordinated son of a bitch I ever seen in my life. So I, so based on the movie, it was Spalatro that was supposed to be protecting Lefty Rosenthal. Absolutely, he right? was. He was. And so that was the case. He was around him all the time, and if somebody messed with Lefty Rosenthal, you'd hear from Spalatro immediately. And that because, was because Lefty because was making the mob he, a lot of money, he, right? He was making some people a lot of money. We got to stop always saying mob, yeah. and mafia, and all. I mean, come on. I mean, uh, we're grown-ups over here. Understood. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, you get the hell out of here. So, uh, so, but no, I'm very serious. Yeah. Because it just gets too easily said. You understand? What Understood. I'm Lefty had a lot of people around him because of his sports handicapping. How was he making you it? You know, I, you got to give him his credit. Uh, he was very unique. He knew his business. But he, you know, he was, listen, they had Robert De Niro play Lefty Rosendahl. Right. Now, there's no getting around, even though I don't care for Robert De Niro as a person, they, the guy is so compelling when he does any kind of movie. So they got him to play Lefty Rosenthal and change the whole thing. When, mm -hmm. You know, when I look at this movie, I, my gut's... Just twist. Let me just give you one example. Sure. And then I'd like to get off this. Sure. Here's a perfect example of Las Vegas when Vegas was Vegas. They get Sharon Stone to play Ginger. Right. Ginger is at the crap table in the movie with a high roll. She decides to steal his chips and then when he gets confronted about it, when she gets confronted, she takes his chips and throws them on. She would have got her whole broke from any casino she did that in. So you don't think that happened? That was more Hollywood? I know it didn't happen. Wow. But Ginger, there, was, Ginger was a whole. But their relationship was very volatile, right? It was What's a very that? volatile relationship that they had. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, he fell in love with a hoe. I mean, come on. She There's was a no, drug addict. She was everything. Right. She was a hustler. Right. She was very attractive. There's no doubt about it. And she knew how to make other people make money. But she was a hustler. Right. Quit trying to put 
a bullet on a person that should be wearing something else. And part of that was definitely portrayed in the movie of her being a hustler and not the nicest person in the world. Uh, How was it portrayed? Well, I mean, she hustled a lot in the movie. She hustled people a lot in the movie. Everything she yeah, hustled. Not ever. So why do you think Lefty Rosenthal married her? Why did he fall in love with her? Did you take a look at him? Well, she was beautiful and he wasn't. You think he's a friggin' oil painter? No, not the best looking guy in the world. Brian so Slopak is a much better looking a, guy. She knew what to do. <laughs> she made that snap of your move. Right, right, right. He went for it like a sucker. And it was alleged that Spilatro. Yeah, he did it too. But he had relations with her. Is that true? He did it too. You yeah. just hear me? And Everybody that, did it. Frank, is you that... You had to take a number like in a bakery. Frank, in your, in your opinion, yes. do you think... That was what led to the demise of Spilatro, because he messed with Lefty Rosenthal's wife. There was a lot more to it. More to it than that. Understood. And you know what? You got me talking about shit today that I didn't expect. Well, that's no, you're doing good. You're doing good. It's okay. I'm doing good. Thank you for your company. I'll see you at the bell hearing. (laughs) Was the Lester Diamond character real? I'm sorry. Was the Lester Diamond character real that she kept leaving uh, Robert De Niro to go back to Les? You know, there's some truth. There's, okay. there's some truth. You know, they made a movie. You know, yeah. uh, everything in casinos at a sequence. Can't hear a thing after that. Yeah. Martin Scorsese, you had interaction with him. Some good, some not so good, right? Yeah, well, look. What was your relationship like with him? I don't really know the guy. Yeah. But he aggravated me on set because I... Joe Pesci and I were very good friends at the time. He lived with you for a little while, right? He lived with me, yeah. Right. And uh, I'm not going to say nothing negative about anything because there's nothing negative yeah. to say. You Joe know? Pesci, brilliant actor. Brilliant. Well, I don't know brilliant, but he's I good. think he's phenomenal, yeah. Well, yeah. You I've know? never seen a guy that short be that intimidating in a movie. I mean, he, he just played that role very well. Men, you didn't see how intimidating you can get. <laughs> <laughs> But, but so when you live with him, what kind of guy is Joe Pesci when the cameras aren't on him? Is he quiet? Is he? You know what? We used to have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we worked some clubs together. I actually uh, took over two joints uh, and I put Joey into work, uh, you know, as the, the host and singer. And he used to, we used to have a place. And I, you know, I can't give you specifics because it's no yeah. good. See, yeah. But we used to have the original Gong Show in Las Vegas, and I had Joey hosting it. Wow! I'm telling you, you couldn't get in this joint. I mean, every celebrity that was on the strip would be there on Tuesday night. That's so cool. I wanted to ask you this: what do you, what movie do you prefer? Do you like Goodfellas or Casino? Like, what is your, what do you think they did a better job in portraying real life stuff? Well. Uh, it actually, in uh, Goodfellas, I knew most of those guys, you understand that, from the Latanza and all that bullshit uh, in both yeah. things, you know? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the guys in Casino I knew in real life, you understand? Yeah. But it's so out of sequence, you know? Uh, the guy from Sopranos, who my understanding was he was he was a real organized crime guy, Sirico, the guy who played w- Paulie Tony Walnut, Sirico. Yeah, who recently passed away. Was he that true? Knew, he hung out with everybody. He's from the neighborhood. Is that true, though? Was, was he really involved Listen, in that? Tony's not with us no more. Yeah. And why should I put a label on that yeah. man? Well, I'm he said gonna, it himself. 
Well, I don't care yeah. what the fuck you. Oh, what watch saying? the language. Yep, that's yeah, okay. I'm yeah, sorry. that's okay. You know, but <laughs> Tony Sirico was not a made man. Right. Uh, he did a great job in The Sopranos. You understand? And actually, I, I, we did a couple of things together. Yeah. But uh, he was uh, he was a guy always trying to get in the acting business. Right. And he did a lot of small parts. And then yeah. He got super lucky, like a lot of other people in The Sopranos. If you don't mind me asking you this question, because. I don't know the answer to it, and I don't know if you're even able to answer it, which is okay. Were you a made guy? So what are we going to have to eat this afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as you're not allowed. But you've been, <laughs> can you talking. tell me this then? Uh, what ritual or what, I don't know if, if I'm using the right terminology. Listen, wait, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Sure. You're Jewish. I am. Yes, sir. He's Jewish. Yes, sir. Do I ask you what rituals you go through on the circumcision? Sabbath? Yeah, well, <laughs> I did a little rabbi shit myself. <laughs> understood. Understood. What did you make of? Because I thought The Sopranos was one of the most well-made series. You the know, acting I thought was so phenomenal. Let me tell you, and I, I alluded to this on one of the shows yeah. that I did. Sure. I knew about The Sopranos. Way before anybody else knew it, and I, this is—do we have the time to tell? Sure, sure, sure. So, a, a very good friend of mine, a producer in California, he was going out with a lady at the time who worked for HBO. Yes. And she says to her guy, "This new show was coming up. Frankie would be so superb in it. We should try to get him." P.S. They get me an audition. For the Sopranos show. Oh wow! And so I, you met David Chase and all them. So I fly in mm -hmm. New York. No, I flew. I went to California. Oh, okay. And uh, I auditioned, and uh, wasn't much after that. They called my agent and said, "We want Frankie for our opening show." Wow. Well, anybody would be elated. Uh, and to shorten up without all the fruit salad, I denied their request for me to be on the show. And here's the reason why. I was going to get killed off in the opening show within like three, five minutes of the show. And I says, I don't want to do that. Why would I want to get killed off? Nobody's going <laughs> to know blame me. You. Yeah. You know? I says, you tell them thank you, but no thank you. Right. And... Uh, if they have a role where I'm throughout the whole episode, great, or a recurring role, I'm their person, be happy to do it. Yeah, it, it and so they were thankful that I accepted with that, you know, sure. back and forth, and I got right back to them. Any regrets? Well, it's, there's more to this. Yeah. So it wasn't much after that. I'm back in New Jersey, and my agent calls me, says... They changed their mind. They got a recovering role for you. I said, what? I said, yep. And uh, they said, you told me that you're at your mother's house, right? Which is in Jersey. I built her a beautiful custom home at that mm. time. I said, yeah, I'm here at my mom's house. Because those days they didn't have cells, really, you know. So he says, you got to go right up into New York tomorrow. He says, they're going to want to see it. I said, I can't do that. What are you talking about? I said, look, call them up and tell them I'm not coming. Thank you very much for all the consideration. My One of my brothers passed away. And 
and my family comes first under sure. all circumstances. Yep. If they don't understand it, and you know, uh, they did understand because they know the kind of cut of cloth I come from. Family know? first, yep. And I look, everybody became a giant on that show. Sure. And I, I'm not going to tell you who got the part that I was going to do, but the guy became a major player. And sure, I'm sorry I didn't go, but I'm not sorry because I will not put something before my family. Well, I think that's honorable. I think that's, well, that's the well, right. Well, a lot of people do. don't know that. Now, I don't think you could have found a better person to lead that show than James Gandolfini. What did you think of? He was terrific. Yeah. Don't forget, he was... He was like a lot of other actors that did all these parts. They knew he had a lot of... And when they put him there, he that was him. That He lived that role. You know, I'll tell you something about De Niro. Because I was on a few of his sets. Of Casino? Casi- uh, yeah. Casino. Yeah. Uh, Midnight Run. I did oh. all the, yeah, I did all the standing yeah. for a lot of guys and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, but let me tell you about De Niro, how, how dedicated a guy... When he goes on a movie set, he goes in his trailer when he gets there. And when he comes out of the trailer, nobody really talks to him except the director. Yep. Because he is in that character. Yep. He is the person that he's playing, and he don't want to... That's how dedicated he is. And if he's there 10 hours, he's that person. Right. And when he's done, he walks off the set, he goes in his trailer... Whatever he does, when he get when he comes out, he's Robert De Niro. Yeah. You know you got to give him his due. Yeah. You know, he, guys like him, De Niro, Pacino, uh, they do a movie. There's always that one scene that is so compelling because, and only them can do it. There's no right. doubt about it. Yeah, I, I I think uh, Ed Norton is somebody that I would probably Ed put Norton up is there. Another great guy. Uh, I've heard not the nicest guy uh, away from the cameras, but I'm just talking about acting. A lot acting. of people have bad reputations. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because I met James Gandolfini about a year before he passed, and I, I shook his hand and I said, thank you so much for, for your work. And, and he, I'm so used to the Tony Soprano character. And he's talking to me in the James Gandolfini character, which is modest. Oh, well, thank you. That's very nice of you. What do you do here? And I was, like, taken back because I'm so used to this Tony Soprano and I said that to him, and he laughed, but that's a compliment to these guys him. lived in that part. Then. Right, right. And people only look at them as, listen, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, in the same week, we lost James Gandolfini, which I knew briefly, and he was very nice to me. Yeah. Because he knew certain things. Right. And just the way I carried myself. And I lost one of my best friends, Dennis Farina, mm. in the same week. That's very and sad, I, yeah. Actually, when I found out, I was with the leader of the World's Hells Angels. Right. And they were filming a movie, and I was on the parking lot at Caesar's Palace. Yeah. For uh, with Kevin Hart and all those other. It was all a black movie, you know. Yeah. I can't even think of the name of it right now. <laughs> what do you think of Ray Liotta? His role in uh, Goodfellas. Listen, Ray Liotta was okay, in my opinion. He's not James Gandolfini. Not even close. Yeah. And Ray Liotta played the part of a rat son of a bitch. <laughs> and people ain't got the heart to say it. He was a rat. No doubt about it. We all know that. We all know that. Did you ever meet him in, in, in person? Ray Liotta? No, the character that he played in Goodfellas. Yeah. <laughs> you did. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about it. Okay. Wow. I got. I didn't I got know a that. Doctor's appointment tomorrow. <laughs> if you're just joining us, I love talking to this man, Frank Citro. His stories are unbelievable. Alleged organized crime li- uh, ringleader, but uh, living with his wife here in Las Vegas. Um, and he's got uh, a new show that is on the way that he announced here, which I can't wait to listen to. It's going to be a great listen. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I will definitely get back to you and give you the date. I can't wait for it's that. Gonna, it's, I, it's like a month or so we'll wait. That's all. Why is it that you think, I mean, I think I know the answer to this because I'm one of the people, people, Americans, they are almost obsessed with these types of gangster movies. Mm-hmm. They're obsessed. And I love them myself. I'm one of them. I still watch The Sopranos. How many years has it been gone now? I mean, I watch the movie Casino over and over and over again. Why is it you think they're so popular and Americans just love it? Well, I can just give you a little tidbit of why I think a lot of people watch it. Because they have no concept of living a life like that. Walk into a joint, got a bankroll in your pocket, give everybody a dinner, a drink. Right. You know, they got the best broad to, you know, on their arm. Uh, they got the, but they went and they earned it. Right. And how they earned it, well, it's up to speculation, you know. But <laughs> but the thing is, a lot of the people are just satisfied uh, going to work, coming home and having their pork chop and mashed potatoes. And darling, oh, we can commit a little fornication tonight. Who the frig asses? <laughs> Let's hit that friggin' bed, baby. <laughs> Here's what I want to do, Frank. I'm and having some fun. We, we all are having fun here. Uh, if you're also just joining us, Brian Slopak is here. Uh, he's just listening very quietly, but we'll get him involved in the next segment with Frank. Brian Slopak is the owner of Jackson's Bar and Grill. A lot of history. You want to talk about history with, with Brian's Bar, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And also, when we come back, I want to talk to Frank a little bit about how much Vegas has changed over the years. One of the poignant parts of Casino, and there's some in that movie, is at the end where he talks about, you know, back in the day, every bartender knew what kind of drink you had. And now with all these big companies, it's all touristy and all that. But I want to talk about that with Frank because, I, I Frank, I know you have something to say about that, about how much Vegas has changed over the years. So we'll take a break, and when we come back, I'll ask Frank that. We'll get to, uh, talk to Brian a little bit about what's going on at his bar and the history of his bar. And we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. We are broadcasting live for Sapphire Gentlemen's Club, Topless Pool, the only topless pool gentlemen's club in all of las vegas it's starting to uh get a little bit fun here i'll be honest with you uh, it's getting full here and uh the food the drinks the staff the beautiful women uh and listen brian slipbox a beautiful man as well so i have to uh, put him into that uh, equation and frank's hat i gotta say he's looking good he's looking sharp we'll take a quick break we'll be back right after this you're listening to pushing the limits right here on kshp Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Look. 
look, it's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, Selling or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Sapphire Pool and Day Club, the world's only topless gentleman's day club, introduces its 2023 pool season lineup with the bevy of beauties and social media celebrities throughout the summer who will all host alongside hundreds of Sapphire's topless poolside entertainers. Enjoy brunch in the sun with items like frittata-style omelets, stripping chicken, and French kiss toast before washing it down with signature summertime cocktails. Ten lines, beware, go bear! Ladies are welcome to go topless within the day club for the ultimate party. Guests can purchase affordable day bed packages, cabana packages, lounge chairs, and more. The best part, though? Pushing the Limits will be broadcasting shows every other Friday throughout the pool season with a ton of surprise celebrity guests. Wow! Reserve your spot now. For more info, visit sapphirepoollv.com or call 702-869-0003. That's 702-869-0003. See you at Sapphire. Hey everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment, and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams, treatments such as testosterone enhancement, and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices, office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. 
Big Dogs Brewing Company, open 24-7, is an award-winning brewery, a full-service catering business, and a fun, smoke-free brew pub restaurant with a full-service bar, including over 35 craft beers on tap, 35 multi-denomination slot machines, the best gaming promotion, and a lively, dog-friendly outdoor patio. Big Dogs Brewing Company, 4543 North Ratchet Gray. Find out more at BigDogsBrews.com. Steiner, the new Adistyle Pub invites you to play the best tavern, keno, and video poker in Vegas. Promos are how we roll, so make the most of your gaming dollars here with us. Come play our proud partner gaming promotion, Fly Aviators Fly, and receive daily free play, bonuses, and more. With a chance to win awesome brand of prizes and big money for all the jackpots each week. It's not only great gaming that Steiner's Pub has, it's a 24 awesome rotating draft beers. Vegas' best appetizers to match. So join us in supporting your Las Vegas Aviators, Golden Knights, Lights, Aces, and the Raiders, as we make history in Vegas. Steiner, the Nevada Style Pub at 8410 West Shan, 1750 North Buffalo, and Las Vegas Boulevard at Windmill. Steiners, I love this place. Located only four miles from downtown Colorado Springs, at just 10 miles from Pikes Peak, Hyatt Place Colorado Springs Garden of the Gods offers spacious rooms featuring contemporary decor with stylish furnishings, including divided living and sleeping areas, the Hyatt Grand Bed, state-of-the-art media and work center, a 42-inch flat-panel high-definition television that easily integrates with laptops and other devices, and complimentary breakfast is included in your stay. Hyatt Place Colorado Springs Garden of the Gods at 503 West Garden of the Gods Road. Visit HyattPlace.com. At the Bagel Cafe, the recipe is simple, good food, and generous portions. Family-owned and operated since 1996, the Bagel Cafe is a unique restaurant where you can get anything your appetite desires. From a bagel and a schmear to piled high corned beef on homemade rye, fresh fruit platters and salads, or creamy New York cheesecake. Check them out at TheBagelCafeLV.com. The Bagel Cafe, where there's something delicious for everyone. Pine Hollow Winery is the first and only boutique winery in the Las Vegas city limits that features its own handcrafted wines. Located on the west side just minutes from the Strip at 7018 West Charleston, Pine Hollow Wines are available for tasting by the glass, bottle, or for carryout. Peach lovers pick up a bottle of the Warm Fuzzy, which is a sweet Chardonnay-style wine made with peach and apricots. Visit PineHollowWinery.com for their events, wine menu, and hours. That's PineHollowWinery.com. As a three-time international award-winning restaurant, Joe's New York Pizza uses only the freshest and best available ingredients. From giant slices of hand-tossed pie to calzones, strombolis, fingers, and wings, Joe's serves all your favorites. Stop in for a slice at one of their two Las Vegas locations at Paradise and Harmon or South Las Vegas Boulevard, or you can check out their menu at joesnewyorkpizzalv.com. The National Atomic Testing Museum is a national science, history, and educational institution that tells the story of America's nuclear weapons testing program at the Nevada Test Site. Located at 755 East Flamingo Road, just east of Paradise, the museum offers immersive, interactive experts for guests of all ages. The museum is Smithsonian certified and open seven days a week. For more information, visit nationalatomictestingmuseum.org. That's nationalatomictestingmuseum.org. is pushing the limits on a Friday. Thank you so much uh, for joining us as Brian Slipbach adjusts, adjusts his uh, microphone. 
like the radio professional that he is. Uh, joined by Brian Slipbach. Frank Citro is going to join us here in a little bit next segment. Uh, enjoying some food, the atmosphere, the drinks, uh, the beautiful women. Uh, it, it, it's tough to drag these people out here, but somebody's got to do it. We're here at Sapphire Gentlemen's Club. Topless pool. Being topless is optional. I'm going to be keeping my shirt on. Nobody wants, wants to see my uh, pale, pale sickness Arch. looks. Yeah, nobody wants to see that, but uh, we're having a great time here. They treat us so well here, I can't even begin to tell you. Uh, it, first of all, it's the only topless gentleman's club pool in all of Las Vegas. That's number one. Number two, I'm telling you, and I think you'll agree with me, this pool is nicer than most of the uh, hotel pools in Las Vegas. I mean, this is this place is awesome, man. The food is great. We're eating some pizza uh, and uh, having a good time. we got some steak and eggs and... Man, I just love this place. I, I could live here. I really could. Right. You think they'll let me live here? Could I live in this cabana? Could we do a show here every day? Uh, I would love that, actually. This would never get old. Unless in the wintertime, it might be a little cold. But uh, We'll go indoors. That's true. That's true. Anyway, Brian Slopak joining me here. We got uh, my favorite, one of my favorite comics on the planet is going to be joining us here in about eh, 30, 45 minutes. His name is Steve Byrne. He headlines over at Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club. Uh, his crowd work and the way he messes with the crowd is better than anyone I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so he's going to be joining us in hour number two, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Brian, uh, you told me a funny story that I want to share. I want you to share with everybody on the air, and that is you were on a uh, cruise with your lovely wife, yeah. Robin. And uh, tell me what happened. Sure. Uh, about three weeks ago, we were on a cruise. And it took off out of Long Beach, and it was kind of cool because we wear our we wear a lot of Golden Knights stuff when we're not when we're not here. And someone's like, "Golden Knights today, Vegas. I'm from Vegas," and you start talking to them. Uh, and and being that it was uh, Long Beach, there was quite a number of people from Las Vegas there, so it was fun. So at one point, my wife is uh, just talking to some people in line. And uh, what do you do? Where are you from? And all that. And my wife says, oh, we own a bar called Jackson's Bar and Grill. And they go, oh, yeah, we hear, we've hear, we heard of that. And my wife said, how did you hear of it? And she goes, oh, we heard it on the Brian Shapiro show. <laughs> so here we are, you know, running into people that listen to the show. That's cool. Now we're down in Long Beach, and they're from Vegas, and we're talking about you and the show. Well, they, the made, mid- a, they made a very big mistake listening to my show. Well, big, they, big they, mis- they said they only listened once. Oh, okay. Well, so, the, well they're smart then, yeah. And well, so that, we, were, we were down in Ensenada and uh, that's super talking cool. about your show and, and the fact that it does get around and people do listen to it. That's cool. You know, and, and when we take phone calls, I have phone calls from people not only in Las Vegas, but uh, mm-hmm. all over the country, which is super, super today? cool. And that's the beauty of uh, streaming on, uh, on, on whether it's YouTube or t- TikTok or Twitter. You stream all over the world, and, and people will call in from all sorts uh, of places, which is also super cool. I really, uh, I really love that. This is one of those shows, though, where we're on Sapphire. We're here at Sapphire, where we don't really get uh, dive too much into politics on this show. But I do want to talk to you a little bit about this Tupac story because we're learning more information about why they went to this person's home, how he may have been involved in the murder of Tupac, and we uh, this, the uh, search warrant has been publicly released. They got everything. They got computers and pictures and cell phones and everything. And it appears to me exactly what I said uh, a few days ago, which is here's a guy that's now boasting or was boasting on some uh, interviews about giving the gun to the alleged killer Mm -hmm. who uh, is believed to be Mr. Anderson, who died uh, a couple years after the Tupac murder. And this guy is his uncle. Mm -hmm. 
So they invaded his home. Uh, I shouldn't say invaded. They searched his home with a search warrant, obviously. They didn't just go in there. And I think Las Vegas Metro Police have, have had enough. They've had enough with this guy. They interviewed him 13 years ago. And I think there's going to be... There has to be some specifics that they are looking for. And this is very difficult because this murder happened such a long time ago. Right? 30 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, such a long time ago. So, will there be an arrest? Leads me to believe yes. I can't imagine that Metro Police would go to the lengths that they went, and now this is so public, and they're going to have nothing to show for it. I can't imagine that. I think there's probably going to be an arrest... And we're finally, perhaps, going to see somebody held to account for the murder of Tupac Shakur, even though it appears as though this is not the guy who pulled the trigger, but he could have been involved allegedly. How stupid do you have to be to know that Metro's been watching you, and you go and do these interviews in a way boasting and gloating about being in the car? I mean, this guy doesn't seem to be very intelligent. Well, anyone in crime probably isn't intelligent, but a couple things that I got from it is the fact that you're right. Why would he be out there doing it if he thought that he was clean enough to to not get caught? Now, I don't know what you're going to get off of computers or phones, which weren't around 30 years ago. Right. Right. But um, was it Keefe D? Keefe D, yep. He's the uncle, right? Correct. And Anderson was his nephew, who is believed to be the person who pulled the trigger, and And he's he's deceased. Yes. Okay, so this Keith. In fact, this guy's the only guy left. So he was the one that gave the gun. Allegedly, what we what he has claimed is that he was the one who handed the gun to Anderson, who pulled the trigger. Allegedly, that's that that's probably what happened. What we know is that earlier that day, it was a Mike Tyson fight at MGM Grand. There was an altercation and a physical altercation. It's actually on oh, camera. I didn't know that. It was, it was involving the chain that Tupac was wearing, my understanding. Stupid altercation. And then what happens is they're following Tupac and Suge Knight. Believed to have been a hit, an alleged hit on both Tupac and Suge Knight. Remember, Suge was shot as well. I did not know Yeah, that. not seriously injured, but he was shot. And uh, this was on Flamingo and Colval, my understanding, is where the actual shooting took place. But right. here's where it gets really weird and stupid. And yes, I'm going to call Suge Knight stupid because he's never getting out of jail. So I'm not <laughs> okay. worried. Um, Tupac was fighting for his life. He couldn't even breathe. He was shot so many times, right? So instead of Suge Knight calling 911 or maybe rushing his friend, say, to the hospital in Tupac, he follows the car to Harmon and Las Vegas Boulevard. Oh, uh, really? And that's where the car stopped. And uh, there's a police officer, the first person on the scene. I believe his name is Chris. Uh, he's going to be joining us in studio next week. And, and the officer who since retired was the first person on the scene. And that was Tupac's last moments conscious. He still was alive. Uh, and he passed away a few days later. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, it's been an unsolved mystery. I think most people have a basic understanding of why it happened and, and what happened and the players that are involved. But no one's ever been held to account. Yeah, that's why I'm glad we don't have statute of limitations on murder. Right. These guys are still, uh, these guys being the uh, Metro, still looking at these cases. Hey, they got a break. Excellent. Let, let's take care of it. Well, I hope let's so. Let's get it. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm saying I don't think they're going to do all this time and money. In my opinion, though, something they don't have. what fueled this was this guy gloating about being in the car. You was know? he, when he was gloating, was he doing it 
like uh, to mass audiences? Uh, in interviews. In he interviews. Was, he oh. was in a way gloating about how he gave the murder weapon. Oh. Uh, to somebody in the car, and you know, he said, you know, the shots were done in the back seat. We know that Anderson was sitting in the back seat. So listen, for the most part, we know who pulled the trigger. We know why this was done. Suge Knight was supposed to be murdered that night as well. Uh, instead, Suge Knight ended up being a murderer himself, and now he's probably behind bars for the rest of his life. And my understanding is his health isn't doing very well. The former UNLV football player, by the way, it's crazy for me to even say that. Yeah. Speaking of UNLV football, uh, right around the corner. But um, we've had some interesting characters. You know, Kenny Mayne was a quarterback for UNLV football. He was a backup quarterback. Kenny Mayne? From ESPN, yeah. No, I knew... Um uh, uh, the, the Iggy Shuffle. Um, uh, I can't remember his name. I'm Nick, not sure who you're. Nicky Shuffle. I'm not sure who you're speaking of. I don't know who that is. Nicky Shuffle. Icky. The Icky. He was oh, on. Vicky. I was in Cincinnati. I Icky Woods. Thank oh, Vicky you. Woods. Okay, Icky. Yeah. Icky Woods. Nicky Woods. Okay. Icky. I got you. No N. Icky. Icky Woods. Icky Woods. Okay. I know he was. Icky. Icky. Thank you. Yeah, yes. I know he was a. Uh, <laughs> A uh, running back for us, right? And uh, I, I had no idea about Kenny Mayne. Yeah, yeah, we've had some interesting characters play for UNLV, that's for sure. But uh, anyway, regardless of what you might think of Tupac, he was an incredible artist. I love this stuff. One of the one of the best uh, rap artists in the history of, of hip hop. I don't think anybody would question that. An iconic figure, and very unfortunate what took place that night. And it'd be nice if somebody could be held to account. Even if it's not the person that pulled the trigger, it'd be nice if somebody could be held to account. Somebody, yeah. I'm glad Metro did what they did. Hopefully they found some of the stuff that they wanted to find. And we will have to wait and see how this plays out. But it, it, it's just so crazy because this murder happened such a long time ago. Yeah. But yet the case has always been open. Here's something else that people don't know about. A lot of people don't know about this case. This guy did an interview with Metro back in 2009. And the agreement that he had with Metro is that they couldn't use anything in the interview against him. Okay? Really? But that okay. doesn't mean that he has immunity. And anything else he said outside that interview could be used against him. There's no such thing as having immunity, immunity for murder, right? Or an accessory to murder, at least in this case. So I think they're going to get him. I think they're they're you know crossing their T's and dotting their I's, and, and they want to get it right. But this would be huge. This would be a big deal. It would be a big deal for Las Vegas Metro Police to crack something and to hold somebody accountable. And the fact that this guy still lives in this area, he lives in Henderson, is also mesmerizing to me, right? Yeah, you get out. I, you would assume someone would just yeah. run and get out. You would think so. Not it's come back. Absolutely mesmerizing. But obviously, this is a case that has made national news, rightfully so, and we'll have to wait and see what happens here uh, moving forward. Uh, what do you got going on this weekend, by the way? Well, before before I get into yeah. that, can I just bring up this Jason Aldean thing? Sure, sure. Because it was a big discussion at dinner last night. My wife, yes. my wife, myself, and a couple of friends. They haven't heard about it. So we kind of mentioned it to them. They really didn't understand, so they, they Googled it and, and got all the information. And, and so we had this nice talk last night. And, uh, wow, it was crazy. Um the video that he put out, the song that he put out, the words in the song. Yeah. I don't know if he did this knowing he was going to get a lot of publicity. I don't know if he did this just as a song and it's getting, you know, publicity he doesn't want. But it's out of control. And uh, yeah. talked talk to our in-laws last night about it. And they'd never heard it. And they're in their late 70s. Then we said, hey, be prepared because this is going to come up. It's, it's going mainstream now. Right. 
the the video and the words and these songs were absolutely just crazy. I how nobody looked at it and said maybe we should reshoot this or maybe well, we should do you know. You make a good point, and, and here's my opinion: it doesn't matter whether it's rap music or country music. If you're putting out lyrics that condone violence, and that's exactly what Jason Aldean did, it's wrong and it shouldn't be tolerated. You know, and you know the Jason Aldean song. When he's talking about how his grandfather Is this gave the song? Yeah, yeah, we're playing a little okay. bit of it. Yeah. You hear a little bit of the lyrics. Look, Go ahead. Punch somebody on a sidewalk. Carjacking old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think it's tough. Small town, see how far you make it down the road. Alright, let's so let's stop it right there. See how far you make it down the road. Yeah. Try that in a small town, and then in the uh, second verse he's talking about how his grandfather gave him a gun. That is condoning violence. Okay? That is wrong. And in the and my big problem is in his video. He only shows Black Lives Matter protest violence. I don't care what the color of the person's skin is that's doing it. He doesn't show January 6th footage. He doesn't show anybody on the alt-right committing violent acts. He shows people going into a gas station, uh, you know, vi- you know, and, and somebody as a vigilante, you know, attacking them. Yeah. See how far you get. We know exactly what he's saying, and uh, those lyrics are inappropriate. Whether it's rap music or country music, I don't condone any of it. And then Aldine is, is is trying to make excuses. No, we're just talking about being in a you know a small town, and you know we protect our own. No, that's not what you're saying. There's nothing wrong with protecting your own. There is something wrong with condoning violence. Yeah, of course. Okay? If somebody goes into a store robbing a store, you don't try to uh, use your fist uh, against that person. Uh, any police officer would tell you that when you say. Try that in a small town and see how far you get. You're condoning violence, vigilanteism, and the message is terrible. And that's why CMT took the video down. Correct. And again, if you want to talk about rap music and all the violence that is condoned or cop killing or whatever in rap music, then that is also wrong. I don't condone that either. So this isn't about whataboutism. Anything condoning violence or vigilanteism or gun violence in any type of music, in any type of demographic, I don't care what it is. It's wrong. And I'm going to give you an example of what I'm talking about. And I'm going to give an example with uh, rap music, right? So the word starts with an F. I'm not going to say the word. It's a, it's a derogatory word for the LGBTQ community. I think you know what word I'm talking about. I understand. Yeah. And... It was in a bunch of lyrics in the 80s mm-hmm. and even the early 90s to mid-90s. If you notice, in rap music, it does virtually doesn't exist anymore. And the reason for that is the LBGTQ community put a stop to it. And they said, we're not going to support your music. We're not going to listen to your music. And they constantly called it out. And the rap community and the artists stopped using that word. And the record labels is what we're talking about because it's billions and billions of dollars that they're making. Okay. So, that it can be done. That's what I'm trying to say. It can be done if we call it out. Jason Aldean is also a coward. And let me explain to you why. 
he talks about what a tough guy he is, right? Oh, my granddaddy gave me a gun. Try that in a small town. Well, guess what? You didn't use your granddaddy's gun to help defend people on October 1 when some of your fans were killed. I don't blame Jason Aldean for what took place on October 1. He was on stage? He was on stage. He was on stage at the time. So what did he do? Here's what we know. Here's what we know. He prances off the stage and goes into his trailer. While he does that, heroes on October 1, police officers, good Samaritans, risked their life, picked up bodies, put them in the back of trucks, drove them to the hospital. There were people that were killed for trying to help other people. They risked their life to help others. What did Jason Aldean do that night? He pranced off the stage, as I said. He went, and this gets me angry. He went into his little trailer, and he dodged town. That is the opposite of a hero and the opposite of a tough guy. He didn't he he didn't use his granddaddy's gun. He didn't do anything to help people in Las Vegas. And when I say this, and I say it all the time, yes, if you look up any charity work that he did do, he did do some charity work in Tennessee. He didn't do any charity work here. He helped 25 people dealing with the survivors of of the October 1 shooting. Back, back in Tennessee. Yes, I don't know how much money he donated, but I'm going to imagine or assume it was under six figures. The guy makes millions of dollars for a performance. Mm-hmm. You're telling me Jason Aldean, the man who was on stage during October 1, couldn't have come back to Las Vegas and he couldn't have done a charity concert? Adriana Grande, who is a hero. Yes. I don't listen to her music, but she is a hero. Why? Because she's doing a show outside of this country. And there France, was, right? Correct. And there was a bombing. Some of her fans lost their life. Some were severely injured. Terrible circumstance. What does she do? Immediately in the aftermath, she talks to her team. She's like, I want to do a charity concert, and I want to raise millions of dollars for my fans and the people that were affected. She is a hero. That is what a hero does. And by the way, she's not writing music condoning violence either, okay, or, or showing... Black Lives Matter protest violence and, and defending January 6th. That's what Jason Aldean does because he's a coward. Hmm. So this idea, and I, I studied all this stuff, his behavior, what he did that night, and what he didn't do to help Las Vegas. I've studied all of this. I'm not making this stuff up. Jason Aldean is a bigot, and he is a coward. And anybody who tells you differently is ignoring the facts. And this has nothing to do with his political... This has nothing to do with him being a Trump supporter. This has nothing to do with his political views. I'm going by his actions that night and the actions in the last several years since October 1. He's done virtually nothing to help the people of Las Vegas. He is not a tough guy, and he thinks because he whines into a microphone about try this in a small town, that makes him some sort of champion for people. It's not. He's the opposite, and he's a coward. So he just went out the back to the airport? He just he just backed out of town. He got out of town. And listen, he didn't get out there and he didn't, uh, you know, save lives. He didn't... Is this pushing that, the limits? This is pushing the limits, okay. yes. I just want to make sure. Uh, but, you know, the bottom line here is that he's a coward and... Uh, the, the, the pushback he's getting uh, from this song is well-deserved. I'm sick of this guy, and uh, I think he's selfish. He's a bigot. He's a coward, and and y- you couldn't pay me enough money to go to one of his shows. Anyway, we got to take a quick break. Uh, sorry for the rant, but Jason Aldean, Jason Aldean really pisses me off because okay. October 1 is personal to all of us. All right, we're going to take a quick break. As I mentioned in our number, he's Brian Slipbach, the owner of Jackson's Bar & Grill. 
When we come back, I think Frank Citro is going to be uh, back in the mix and joining us. We're also going to be joined by one of my favorite comics around. His name is Steve Byrne. He's headlining at Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You are listening to Pushing the Limits, broadcasting live from the Sapphire Topless Pool, right here on 107.1 FM, 1400 AM, KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York-style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub? When you can be a hero. Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Sports Insider Radio, Wednesday morning at 9 on KSHP North Las Vegas. AM and FM, K296HP North Las Vegas and KSHP.com. It's impossible for the average person to find a great attorney out there. There's so much misinformation. Now, let me introduce you to former Chief Deputy District Attorney Thomas Moskal. He was Las Vegas' top DUI prosecutor for years. He prosecuted the most high-profile DUI cases in Clark County. No one knows more about DUI law in Nevada. Just Google it. If you get charged with DUI, whether it's a misdemeanor or even more importantly, a felony, you need Thomas Moskal representing you. His relationships with the prosecutors and judges and his knowledge of DUI law to work for you. So give him a call now or text him at 702-848-5555. It's your life and liberty that's at stake. Don't wait. Call now. That number again, 702-848-5555. Home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Sapphire Pool and Day Club, the world's only topless gentleman's day club, introduces its 2023 pool season lineup with a bevy of beauties and social media celebrities throughout the summer who will all host alongside hundreds of Sapphire's topless poolside entertainers. Enjoy brunch in the sun with items like frittata-style omelets, stripping chicken, and French kiss toast before washing it down with signature summertime cocktails. Ten lines beware Go Bear! Ladies are welcome to go topless within the day club for the ultimate party. Guests can purchase affordable day bed packages, cabana packages, lounge chairs, and more. The best part, though? Pushing the Limits will be broadcasting shows every other Friday throughout the pool season with a ton of surprise celebrity guests. Wow! 
Reserve your spot now. For more info, visit sapphirepoollv.com or call 702-869-0003. That's 702-869-0003. See you at Sapphire. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits. I want to tell you guys about Sahara West Urgent Care and Wellness. They're conveniently located on the southwest corner of Sahara and Jones. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. At Sahara West Urgent Care, they'll take care of all your health care needs. They offer routine services such as physicals, STD testing, car accident treatment, and work injuries. You name it, they do it. They have on-site x-ray, EKG, ultrasound, and labs. They treat chronic conditions such as asthma, blood pressure, diabetes, and more. They also offer general wellness exams and treatments such as testosterone enhancement and cancer screening. They're located on Sahara, 6125 West Sahara Avenue. Their number is 702-248-0554. And the best part, they accept most major insurances and affordable cash pay prices. Office visits starting at just $95. And I'm also a client. So please give them a call, 702-248-0554. When you bring your vehicle to Star Auto Care for Maintenance, you'll have a team of professionals at your service. Every one of our technicians has been factory trained and master status certified to ensure that you receive the highest quality and most effective service. Star Auto Care is located at 3540 East Tropicana Avenue, just east of Pecos. Star Auto Care is confident in their prices and will match any mechanic located within 20 miles. Bring your vehicle in today and let Star Auto Care give you the peace of mind you deserve when you service your car. Visit them online at starautocare.us. Whether you're a corporate executive, on a family vacation, or just passing through, St. George Inn & Suites will meet your specific needs. It's conveniently located near restaurants, shopping, and movie theaters. St. George Inn & Suites offers a variety of room types, two fabulous pools and jacuzzis, a fitness center, a free full hot buffet breakfast, and laundry facilities. To make your booking, call 435-673-6661 or book online at stgeorgeinnhotel.com. You need to stop in Southern Utah? Make that stop at St. George Inn & Suites. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and the latest lines on every game. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards on every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino, Fiesta Wildfire, or the El Cortez. Details at the Sportsbooks. The Farmer's Burger from Farmer Boys. Beef, bacon, cheese, hand-smashed avocado, and fresh veggies. Best burger champ. That's how we drop the mic. Farmer Boys. Farm food ain't fast food. Farmer Boys' new always crispy fries stay crispier and tastier all the way home. If they make it home. Sharing is caring. Farmer Boys. Farm food ain't fast food. Jumpers Jungle Family Fun Center is an indoor children's jump and party space in Las Vegas located at 2050 South Rainbow Boulevard. Kids of all ages can come and jump on our bouncers, race through the obstacle courses, speed down the mega slides, slam dunk into the basketball hoops, and much more. Are you looking for that perfect birthday party venue? Look no further. Jumpers Jungle has a party package that will fit your needs. Check out the open play schedule online at jumpersjungle.com or call 702-463-JUMP. It's time to jump your way to fun at Jumpers Jungle on the corner of Oki and Rainbow. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on 107.1 FM, 1400 AM KSHP. It's a tough job, but somebody has to do it. We're broadcasting live 
at the Sapphire Gentlemen's Club Topless Pool. Uh, I wish this would be the studio every day. We're having a great time. Some of my favorite uh, comics I've seen over the years here in Las Vegas. I, lo I, I love them all, really, but we got a few right here. Joining us live, uh, first of all, Steve Byrne. Yo. One of my favorites. He's headlining at Kimmel Comedy Club. He was there last night. He's there uh, all weekend. And Brett Ernst, uh, of, I love the show Cobra Kai, man. And he's one of the stars of Cobra Kai. And he's got a gig at L.A. Comedy Club at the Stratosphere twice a week. Gentlemen, you, thank you guys so much for uh, for being here, number one. Uh, I'm sorry to drag you out here, man. I really am. I'm no, sorry. this is... Uh... <laughs> uh, you know what, though? We accept your apology. <laughs> Well, last time you asked me to do this, you you talked me, you brought me to the Rio, and it was uh, something to do with Australians. Yeah. So this is a lot better. I was I was situation. Get, I was saying that you know. Yeah. I have to ask you first. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we don't want, we don't want to we don't want to play that music. What was it, what has it been like being on this show, Cobra Kai? Did you ever when it first started? Did you think it'd be as as, as popular as it has become? Because this this thing is huge. Yeah. No. I, well, we knew it was a good show, but we didn't know it was going to have this much success. I mean, it's uh, unbelievable. Well, we shot the first three seasons for YouTube Premium, yeah, and then uh, when Netflix picked it up, it just took off. But you how know. crazy is it that, that we're sitting here, and if somebody walked up and said, "Hey, one of these two guys is on Cobra Kai," <laughs> it'd be him. <laughs> well, take. take <laughs> like if I was true. on The Sopranos, <laughs> you'd be like, "What? Wait, there were <laughs> why are you on?" There were Asian guys on The Sopranos? I didn't know that. Actually, there was when Junior was locked up That's in the insane right. asylum. That's right. Was that you? No, no. That been, another it, audition. I lost to uh, Ken Jung. And so, everybody knows Ken Jung from the Hangover movies. But I know him as the man that jumped out of that trunk naked and set Asians back another three and a half inches. That's true. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, by the way. And, and Steve, you've been doing this for such a long time. I mean, I love how this the interview starts. <laughs> Steve, great scene. You're one of my favorites. Brett, what's it like on Cobra Kai? Because I'll tell you, I, was, I did a show with uh, Colin Jost recently, and uh, we did a radio show together, and the DJ's like, oh, my God, Colin Jost here. He's like, Colin, you went to Harvard. You worked on the National Lampoon. Tell me about that. So Colin tells him about it. And he's like, and then you went to, on to be head writer at SNL. Tell me what that's like, because Colin tells him. And he's like, and now you're on Weekend Update, and you're a head writer of SNL. Colin, what's that like? Colin tells me, he goes, and Steve, you're Mexican, right? I was like, what the? Mexican? You couldn't even Wikipedia my name for a second? I, 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 I love On air, can't this talk. Is, uh, it's very difficult to, to concentrate with these women walking by. It is, it is kind of difficult. But uh, you guys have both been doing this for a long time. Yes. Uh, if I told you guys 20 years ago, you guys would be headlining in Las Vegas, what would you both have said? Well, 20 years ago, we were in Vegas, though, together. We did yeah. Beecher's Madhouse together at the Hard Rock. Yeah, that's how uh, we met Pete Giovanni. That's, how, Gio, that's right. how I met Gio. Um, yeah, we did We did Beecher's for a long time. We did Vince Vaughn's Wild West Comedy show. You guys have been doing this for a while. Mandalay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I'd be very happy for Brett that he was on Cobra Kai because growing up and being a Karate Kid fan, it was such a cool show and no one wanted my good pals is on that it, it, it's it's awesome to see what your friends ascend to and accomplish over the course of their career or accidentally so. fall into yeah <laughs> yeah and i love the the kimball comedy club i had adam carolla on the show last week brilliant the comic best. and and uh it's such a great intimate club and it's such a great location right because it's right in the middle of the, the hottest tourist spot around right at the link yeah. and uh what we do is we do a fun show I, I when i got the residency i was like i'm not going to just do a stand-up show I'm going to do something different. It's so the New Year. It's the <laughs> New Year. So New Year. every show is New Year's Eve. It's New Year's <laughs> right. Steve, 
and Pete and I and our good friend Wyatt Boswell, we come out, we go through resolutions, we have karaoke, we got boy band stuff, and it's just a party. And so I think it's so funny when people walk in, they see the New Year's hats, the, the little bells and whistles, <laughs> right, like, what right. the hell's going on here? It's like, it's New Year's Eve tonight. They're like, it's March. And it's like, no, tonight it's New Year's. And by the end of the show... People are ringing in the new year, hugging, kissing, high five, and it's a total fun vibe. One of my favorite parts of, of what you do, and, and, and there's not a lot of comics that are so brilliant at doing what you do, is your crowd work, man. I feel like you could just show up and just make fun of the crowd for two hours or three hours. And is that something that just comes naturally to you? Is that something that you had to work at? Because it just seems like every show with you is different in, in regards to your crowd work. With well, I try, to, I try to shift gears. I try not to be one thing. Right. Um, like, Brett's an amazing storyteller. I wish I was half as good as Brett at storytelling. Jeff Ross is great at roasting. I think sometimes people go, oh, you're a comic. Just go roast him or just tell that story. Right. It's like, no, those are all different muscles. So mm -hmm. I had to work on the crowd work muscle for four or five years. Yeah, really but you've, you've always been a smart that, ass. Like, you've always been really, really good at those. Well, you got me out of quite a few jams because of it. <laughs> yeah, but no. uh, but I, I love the crowd work. And I actually have a series of crowd work specials coming out on a website called Punch Up Live. Oh, wow. Because so many comics these days are being constrained platforms, mm -hmm. YouTube, they're hearing trigger words and they're suppressing uh, all these things. They're banning comedians from putting podcasts up. So these guys that I know at Punch Up Live, they're like, let's create a vehicle for comedians where comedians can be comedians. You can tell jokes. It's not hateful. There's The end result is you're trying to get a joke, right? Michael Richards wasn't telling a joke at the Laugh Factory years ago, right? I love Michael Richards. But you can tell the difference when Louis C.K. says the N-word. He's doing yeah. it under the yeah. umbrella of a joke. So that's the whole point of it. So Punch Up Live, Steve Byrne. There's a series of crowd work specials that are rolling out, and my new special is going to come out there as well. So when is that coming you. out? That's coming out in three weeks, August 10th. We're launching wow. it on this thing, and a lot of comics are going to start using this platform. So it's pretty cool. cool. Well, and can I say something? Sure. It's, it's very hard for me to be sincere about this because I love making fun of him. <laughs> but what's great about his show, like last night, like because Steve's very well respected mm -hmm. in our business. Sure. Like you know, uh, like Billy Gardell showed up mm -hmm. at his show last night wow. and surprised him on stage. That's cool. Uh, you know, and what's great about Vegas is that all the top comics are in here every week. So, you know, what's great about his show is that you don't know it's it's in the moment. So, you it's know, you moment, never yeah. know who's going to you never know who's going to pop in and, which I love. And, and, I've, and I've, I've seen your him. show several times already. I, I wanted to ask well, I'll ask both of you guys this. I would imagine Cobra Kai a lot of people recognize you from that show. A lot of millennials, maybe even a lot of younger people. Is that is that weird for you guys when people recognize you in public and say, "Hey, I know you from blah 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 blah." Well, it's it's weird cuz hey, uh, a lot of people that It'd be nice if it happened here. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I love your work. I love yours. No, it, the uh, get back for her. No, no, keep talking, man. So uh, the um, the thing that I've been having not a problem with is that people recognize me from the show, but they don't know I, I was a stand-up. Oh. And a lot of kids watch the show. So prior to Cobra Kai, if people that recognized me were fans of comedy, they were usually degenerates that like me or you know there was something <laughs> off. I don't know if we can curse or not. We can't. Don't curse. Yeah, no, okay. Don't do that. But. Uh, now I got young kids coming up to me, yeah. and, um, you know, they'll see in the airport. That's where I get, you know, because I travel a lot. And it's cool for me because I've never had that type of audience. But uh, they kind of know you're real. They know you're not 
the character, but they, it's kind of like being a professional wrestler where they come up to you. <laughs> but, you know, you always have kids come up to you. And, and I think that, to me, I don't want to sound weird, but that's yeah. the best. Without getting, I don't want to sound creepy. Without, <laughs> that's, that's the best part of that for me is to, yeah. to, to have that younger audience. I don't want to get you in trouble, but uh, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Is there anybody on the set of Cobra Kai that's just a pain in the ass to work with? I promise you, 200%. And I would deflect the question. The guy, no, no, I could go in on Dan, <laughs> who's another comic. No, uh, from top to bottom, it's the best show I've ever worked on. From, I'm not just saying that. Yeah. And I met Ralph years ago. I did a beer league in uh, oh, with Artie and Ralph. I remember in. that you were in that movie. Yeah, for like two seconds. That was a funny movie. Three seconds. And Artie took a lot of crap for that movie, but I, I actually thought it was kind of funny. Well, I liked it. And you know, I knew I met him then, and then I, yeah. Billy uh, uh, William Zabka used to come to the. Yeah. Improv a lot. I met right. him years ago. The guys that executive produced the show. Um, I, I'm not kidding, man. It's it's the best set to work on, from awesome. top to bottom. There's not one. Even the kids when they were younger. Everybody's. It's just a great. It's one of been one of the best experiences. Of but my what career. also like what an amazing success story that that was. That it got cobbled together. It got put up on YouTube. And when you take those shows out and you're pitching it to all the streamers and networks and they turn you down and turn you down and turn you down, you go. Yeah. Well, YouTube's trying to do stuff. Let's go to YouTube, and right. YouTube funds them and gives them. And then all of a sudden, the public, the public dictates not not the tastemakers, not the streamers, force feeding you, saying this is the show you should watch. It was organic and through osmosis that people said, "Wow, what a great show!" And it built and built and built, and then it blew up on Netflix as it was. And, and it's a family show because, like, kids yeah. and and like people our age love the show because of, of the nostalgia. And Miyagi grew up here, right? or somebody told me he lived in Henderson for like yeah, yeah. for like. 30 years. I call him Miyagi. I don't, I don't know why I do but, but, like, he, he, he lived in Henderson for, like, 30 years. Well, the oh, kids, wow. but yeah. like I said, the adults, their parents love it, and the kids love it. And, um, and what you know, again, I, I, I don't like to pat myself on the back, but for this one thing I do, I was the first to release an hour special for free on YouTube, mm -hmm. right? I was the very That's first. Awesome. And I always tell even younger comics, this is the best time to be an artist because, like he said, the... The tastemakers, you, now you have a, a vehicle to, to yeah. get your product out to the general public. Let them decide. Right. Not the people that are, you know, the gatekeepers are kind of limited now because of the internet. Of course. Of yeah. course. Well, I, I'm glad you guys and that put special's it on YouTube now, and it's got millions of views. That's awesome. More so than if it would air, it would on have aired else. on Comedy Central or anything Isn't like that. Isn't it amazing yeah. that, you know, you, you get a gig and maybe get a break, and, and obviously it's something that you deserve to be on this show, and it just, just takes off, man. Well, again, when, when I when I when I did the I I had no idea. I, you know, yeah. the beautiful thing about not being big, you could do everything, and you you know, and just to accidentally fall into this show was right. just the odds. It was I was very very lucky. Prior Super to Cobra cool. Kai, Brett was the only friend I had working in Hollywood that was canceled without any allegations against. Me. <laughs> I was like, how does that even happen? Like how? What do you? What do you make of that? Like you mentioned Michael Richards, right? And yeah. you guys in this profession. Uh, you know, by the way, Paul Rodriguez is in town. He's at, he's at Laugh Factory this weekend. Love him. And, uh, what do you make of that when obviously what, what, what he did was inappropriate? Using the N-word the way he did. Uh, yeah. I'm sure we all would agree uh, on that, uh -huh. right? What is the line that a comedian, in your opinion, cannot uh, cross? I think that's it. I think what Michael <laughs> is, is the defined line. Yeah, I think I think the the bottom line is you've got to attempt a joke, and people can tell the difference when you're attempting a joke and when you're right. kind of like getting a little too real. Right, right. Um, 
it's that fine line. No one can define it, but everybody knows it when it happens, right? I mean, your your act sometimes you'll just say "f you" to somebody sitting front row right off the bat. Right off the yes. bat, we know what you're doing, but, but it's, it's always with which a I love, by the way, because yeah. <laughs> I'm like the first time I saw you, I saw you do that. I say, okay, I love this guy. I love this guy because <laughs> uh, you're just not afraid to talk smack to anybody there. But it's in a playful way. You're, it's not malicious. Always in a playful way. Could be Done making fun of somebody's smile. shirt or you always. know whatever. You're Prime an e- a drink. You're an equal out. opportunity offender. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but you also, I think Brett's Brett's privy to this that you just you can know, you can tell the minute you talk to somebody, it's like, oh, we're gonna have fun here, or we're done here. It, 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 what's amazing to me too is the standard that they hold comics to. I wish you held those stupid politicians you put your bumper stickers on your, on your <laughs> yeah. car for. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you, you come into a comedy club, you know what it is. It's like if I don't like violence, why would I go to a UFC fight? Right. And and they come to the clubs, and, and I do also feel it's a little exaggerated the cancel culture thing as well. Um, but why comedy? Like all the yeah. rock stars, the politicians, it's like you're coming to a community of a bunch of nerds that never got laid in high school, except for Brett, really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and like speak, Mike Young. But like, speak, speak for yourself. Ninety-five percent of us never did well with girls, and so finally, like, you get in some environment where girls pay you attention, and so like you're gonna come down on like this lot, like, I. I mean, I can't imagine, like, Motley By the way, Howard Stern, how has he not gotten canceled? I mean, that guy's said some of the most audacious, insulting. And you're going back years. If you're going back, like, years and years for, like, George Washington. You know why? Because I think the first person he makes fun of is is himself. And then he makes fun of everybody else. I think the people that get canceled are the people that take themselves too seriously. And they'll go after a race or a gender. Howard's always made fun of himself, whether it be his genitalia or him being Jewish or whatever. I, I think if you make fun of yourself first and you humanize yourself, then I think that gives well, you a larger avenue to make fun but of here, others. I, I think people's... Uh, Comics are the most self-deprecating. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, for vulnerability sure. is, is part of humor. Right. But I, I would say that um, what pe- I think people's... What they think comedy is and a comedian is, isn't... This is a hurt person's art form, right? Comedy comes from pain. That's why the theater masks are laughing and crying. It, it, it's not meant to be nice. It's not meant to be... It, it, it's meant to take something hard and make fun of it. You know? Like, like, when Brett and I do it, it's meant to be affordable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can afford our tickets. Yeah. But... Like that, the woke, like to me, like woke comedy is like Christian rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just trash. Like, why are you? It's bring, not good. It's yeah. not good. It's not meant, like, rock's not meant to be nice. It's just, yeah. but let me it's ask a dirty you art form. Let me ask you guys this question, though. Chris Rock, what happened with his situation? Dave Chappelle getting almost stabbed on stage. That's got to scare you guys a little bit, I would imagine. No, has anything even close ever happened? Uh, has it, Steve? <laughs> Uh, has it? You well, can tell the story. We're 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 from a generation where like we were we were at the comedy store and you would just I mean yeah we we've gotten we've seen some stuff I mean Brett yeah. and I Brett I'd be eating out of a straw if it wasn't for Brett Ernst. There was a an incident at the comedy store where punches were thrown. Some folks said some crazy stuff. Where was this? Uh, at the OR at the comedy co- store. Oh my OR at the comedy God. store. I've gotten a bar stool chucked at me. I got eight staples in the back of my head what? on my birthday. Uh, Probably 15 years ago oh at the comic strip. My, my point, this has always been going on. It's always ahead. been happening, yeah. It's just <laughs> when it happens to Chappelle, it's front page news. When it happens a, to us, a nobody stool cares. at you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Big J. Okerson was there and well, like, oh my God! Dabbed me down. It was it was pretty wild. But every we've all been in situations. Well, the, to, to, the funny story was is that I was waiting. We were. I had. I think I just gotten off. 
and there was like maybe 12 people in the audience in the OR. And if you're not familiar with the comedy store, you have the original room, the main room, and the belly room. Right. So the main room at that time was usually just open on Fridays and Saturdays. So the OR was the one that was running during the week. 50 people. Yeah. Yeah, so there's like a couple (laughs) of us in the hallway. and uh, Should I just tell them what happened then? Well, yeah, go ahead. This guy is there, and he's, uh, as I'm being introduced, a group of Asian kids get up and leave the room. (laughs) So I get to the microphone, and he goes, hey. I go, yeah? He goes, your friends just left you. I go, what? And he's eating wings, by the way. Uh And this is what really pissed me off. He goes, your friends just left you. And he goes, like finger licking good. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, this guy. And I go, are you saying that because they're Asian and I'm Asian? He goes, yeah. I go, well, maybe I'll meet him outside. He goes, maybe you should. I go, maybe you ought to meet me outside, too. He goes, maybe I will. I go, put down those wings and let's go. And I got off the stage and I walked over. I played hockey all my life, so I know you grab the jersey, pull it Right, of course. That's what I did. I got him. Boom, boom, boom. Next thing I know, a guy is charging at me with one of the big, heavy tables and is about to bash me with Brett Ernst. My my Superman came in and tackled this dude. So it starts a little playful. Well, no, no, no. Well, see, when you were talking about the fine line, yeah. that guy wasn't being funny. That guy was being like a jerk. He was being he was being disrespectful to right, him. It right, wasn't right. But, to, but I'll also have accountability and say, I handled it horribly. I don't what know. What happened these days? Great. I'm 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 a lot older now, a lot more experienced. I would do some mental judo on him and get a laugh out of it, put him in his place, and get the show back on track. The key is you can never lose the room. I lost the room. You think? <laughs> You're physically assaulted. I oh literally God. lost, but I was so young and dumb, I wasn't experienced. Yeah, but and see, I was like, again, oh, I'm fight this there guy. was a bunch of them there. It wasn't like yeah. anybody and, arrested. No, no. nobody presses charges. No, no, no. Impressive charge. Brent, did anything like, like that ever happen to you? Um, I mean, you know, I had a couple couple times, but not nobody's ever gotten to the stage. Wow. Is there anything that you guys do politics at all ever or anything that you say, nope, that's just going to divide people? I'm not even going to touch that. Subject. No, the, the minute people say you shouldn't tell trans jokes, it's like, now nah, I'm going to do all trans jokes. <laughs> because it's like, if you're going to force feed us that you're part of the fabric of the country, it's like, well, guess what? Now you're on equal playing field. Now you get made fun of. Right. Now you're part of the crew. If I can make fun of black people, Asians, Mexicans, uh, Middle Easterners, now you're part of it too. And the minute you say you can't, you're punching down. It's like, no, we're all equal. Of course. Yeah, yeah of course. But to, I, I want to clarify because people might be like, oh, he just said that, but that guy made fun of him and it pissed him off. Right. That guy was not... That guy was, he was like, what's up type thing. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't fun. Like, it was like he was, he was going to. He was provoking. Me, yeah, it was provoking. But I took he didn't like him. Like a, it was like. But you, would, but you would handle it differently now. Oh, 100%. Saying, yeah. I would, I would be a professional. Right. Of course. I was a young kid at the time. I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s. And I handled it like a, a, a young kid would. Not an experienced, seasoned, professional stand-up comedian that has been touring for all these years and knows how to cut the blue wire exactly at the right moment. How often do you guys have to just kick somebody out when they just won't shut up? I, I rarely do it, but it's always white women. I do it all the time. <laughs> it's Karen. Oh, yeah, I do it all the time. And I'm going to tell you something else. Everybody likes to sh- shit on the Gen Z kids. Yeah. When they come in the club, they are usually quiet, more respectful. Yeah. It's the people over 40, for some yeah. reason, that act like jerk-offs. And on and on top I'm of that, I'm one of them. I once got kicked out of an Andrew Dice Clay show. Well, that you must hard. have been a real jerk. Can I give you the, <laughs> a 45 second story, and then you guys could tell me Please. if you think I was out of line or not? All right, I'm on a first date. It was at the Riviera. 
Uh, we're sitting front row. I don't mind being made fun of. In fact, I welcome it. And I don't want to be a part of the show. I'm not that guy. But he addresses me, and I'm wearing a fedora, and he, and, and he goes, look at this, blub. I don't even remember what he said, but he was making fun of me, and I'm laughing. And he asked me a question. He said, what do you think they would say if a guy like me and a guy like you walked in together to a club? And I think I responded by saying something like, why did you take your grandpa you know, to the club? You know, just a funny joke, you know? And so I think he got a little offended. And then he said, you think, you, you think you're really funny, huh, little fella? Well, let me tell you something. I'm the best. Maybe I was a little <laughs> inappropriate, but I said, if you were the best, you wouldn't be in front of 150 people at the Riviera. Boom, uh, boom. Yeah, so the yeah. crowd's liking it. They're not, they don't think I'm an a-hole. I'm just, right. you know, whatever. You know, I, I'm not trying to be a part he's of the not show. not prepared. But he's engaging me. So then right. he goes, how much did you pay for that effing ticket? Sorry, I, I don't do a very good impersonation yeah. of him. But, and I told him the truth. I said, I work in radio. I got the tickets for free. They're comp. He said, good, then get the if out of my show. Uh. So I'm on a first date with this chick, right? And she's like... She doesn't know what to do. She's frozen. So I didn't think he really kicked me out. But I get up. I walk out. I'm like, is this a joke? And he's like, no, he really kicked me out. And then he starts talking to my date. He's like, good. Now I got you all to myself. (laughs) I personally didn't think I did anything wrong. No, you didn't. But... I don't think you have you have a line like that. It'd be like, hey, I gotta get you a beer. That I'm a not a one. professional nice. comedian, but if he's going to engage me, I'm going to answer him. Like, look, at, look at how exciting your show is. <laughs> People are just falling asleep. No, but I mean, I, I don't think well, I did anything there, wrong. There's a difference between heckling uh, and and being disruptive. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're disruptive, I'm kicking you out. Yeah. I, I have no time for that. I've been doing it 26 years. I, I don't want to have to deal with that. If you're if you're heckling, then it's fine. But then. You know, uh, sometimes people, they just keep going and going and going, and then you warn them. You're like, look, I want you to have fun. Yeah. But what people don't realize, it's not about you. It's about the people that pay to, to, to hear the show. Right. And sometimes the crowd, I, I like to do, because I, I always make fun of myself because I look like Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let the crowd decide. You do a little bit. And I'll do this. I go, do you guys want them out or you want them to stay? And if they, they want them out, I, I go, yeah. kill it. <laughs> What is the la- like a gladiator? And then I'll let the crowd and they and the crowd right. decide. The crowd you decide. gotta go. Right. One of the, one of the best. I I, I love Steve Hofstetter when people uh you know nice try to you. heckle him. Uh, oh, 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 you're not a Steve Hofstetter fan. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. <laughs> nah, he, he's, uh, he's a great a nice dude. Guy. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, Dice is a great guy too. Uh, you know what? I met him at the Hard Rock a couple of years later, and we joked around about it. Yeah. He was like, I was probably in a bad mood that night. My apologies. Dice likes to gamble though. I heard I've heard rumors that yeah, we, uh, we, we, we everybody at this chair does. So let's, let's move on from that. Yeah, because yeah. last night was not too successful. Oh, what do you guys play? Uh, well, I, you know, Steve had played craps for the first I've time. I've rolled with Steve. He's a maniac at the craps table. Uh, no, uh, you were like, you remember it was. At, wait, I have no what? idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what at I'm first, doing. Wait, hold on. He opened for Joey wait, Gallo. Before, before yeah. you get into yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. I put everything because he's like, I, I don't know. And I go, all right, he's going <laughs> to be lucky. And he rolls everything. I put everything on him. And he was out, no, and no, that no. was it. We Funny story. I don't know what I'm doing. You opened for Joey Gallo, and uh, Ooh, I love. From, I, I love you, Joe Gallo. Yeah, I, but but <laughs> I, I, I would say he was even better than I like Gallo. But Gallo I th- or Gatto? or Gatto? Did I say Gallo? Gallo? Yeah, yeah Joe Gallo. Yeah. Crazy Joe Gallo was different. Guy. Sebastian played it in uh, different guy. In, uh, no, I was at uh, Virgin, and uh, we played craps afterwards, and we were all drunk, and he was. Uh, I think you shot the dice backwards. 
Yeah, I was I was pretty uh, <laughs> inebriated. So I was, was overserved, it. as they say. Yeah. Well, Joey took his shirt off at the table. Uh, nobody really. Well, wanted we we should have got him drunk then last nobody, night. Nobody. He would have. Maybe he would have rolled better. Yeah. Uh, gambling is a rough town if you're not careful. I heard uh, Dice was paying off markers by doing shows. I don't want to trash him. I'm not. Oh, wow. But you know, hey, if if you let it get to you, it, it could become a well, problem. There, there was a cut. You know, it's listen. You got to understand a lot of comics. Like like I think um, Norm McDonald used to gamble a lot. Yeah, yeah. I know Artie did. Artie probably still does. <laughs> probably, yeah. I love Artie Lang, though. Um, all right, so let's talk about your shows. Obviously, uh, you're going to be there this weekend. You performed last night yes. at uh, Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club. For nobody that has ever seen one of your shows before, I, I've always said you're brilliant. You're brilliant at what you do. T- tell you. people about it. I, I just think it's a little bit of everything. You're, you will not be bored. I've worked really hard. I feel like after all these years, and I think I could speak on behalf of Brett because I've seen him recently as well. I think like we put so much time and effort into it. It's like yep. you're literally seeing the best versions of us. Um, I, I, you know, crowd work, material, the one-liners, interaction, improv, roasting. It's like I worked hard at all the different gears. So when you come to the show, you're getting it all. But but the New Year's Steve is, it's crazy. It's so. I mean, well, it's you come great, to Vegas to party. You're it's such party a great concept. I it mean, really now is. it's New Year's Eve every night, and yeah. and you know, I've seen it. I've great. seen it. I've seen it now a couple times, and I'm going to see it again. Your show, it, 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 it's so much fun, and I love because well, our good friend Mike Cameron, Mike who's Cameron's one of the best, great. and I've seen his show. And he's supposed to be here today, by the way. He said he was going to stop by. I don't know where he is. He magically disappeared. I don't know where he is. But Mike's a great guy. Uh, I love the fact that you incorporate karaoke. You, you incorporate the crowd. You'll get people to get up on stage. Wait, you do karaoke? That's odd. <laughs> a little bit of karaoke, yeah, just just a little bit. That's that's uh, weird. fighting is going to be instituted next week, so we'll get. <laughs> I it. And then he comes in and he plays back around. I, I ask people how they want their shrimp or chicken too. As I, I make a, I make a volcano with the flame. So you throw the shrimp and I put the shrimp in. in so it's like it's like free hibachi if you go to a Steve Burns show. That's right. Yeah, I love that. Everything but, Asian. I love that. So, Brett, tell me a little bit about performing at L.A. Comedy Club. Uh, I love the stratosphere, by the way. Uh, I'm actually, I think I'm going to the top of the world tonight. It's it's one of the best restaurants. Top of the world, Ma! I love it. Uh, That's a cool club, though. Uh, You've got a mix of locals and tourists, and I like it. Well, what I love about Matt and Joaquin that own it is um, that they, they encourage... That First Amendment, like they, they treat it like if I was in New York or L.A. That's why I brand the night Tuesday, Wednesday as uh, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday workout. Yeah. So I'll go up there and then uh, I'll do some curls and push. No, <laughs> I go up and I, I, I just, you know, work yeah. on new material. I love and that. And then like not August 4th, 5th and 6th, because I headline sometimes at the I'll be at Jimmy Kimmel's. Oh, cool. But if you want to just come check me work out Tuesday, Wednesdays, 10 o'clock, every Tuesday, Wednesday. I love that. And, I love that. Um, and a yeah. mix of people, right? Locals and That's tourists. What I lo- and, Listen, what yeah. I love about Vegas is when the audience is from everywhere. It's from good? everywhere. You want a diverse crowd, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you you got Arkansas with New York. You've got, you know, <laughs> it's just all, it's everything. But Brett's also part of like a great new core that's all moved here in Vegas. You got you, Josh Wolf, Butch Bradley, uh, a handful of others. There's a, a, a nice nucleus of great headlining, touring, professional yep. comics with legit credits that have all moved here that are making the rounds out here. Um, See, I picked Vegas, no state tax. That airport, you could fly anywhere. Fantastic. Yeah. Right? And then Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm usually either coming in on a Sunday or Monday. Yeah. Or I'm leaving on a Thursday, Friday. So you don't live here full time? No, I do now. Oh, you do now? I just bought okay. a condo. Oh, cool. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Is there is there anybody in the business that you you guys would just refuse to work with at this point? I love every, everybody. Everybody's cool, Yeah, I cool, think after man. a while, it's like, we know everybody. You've worked with everybody. You at least hung in the green roof with everybody. And I think after doing this so long... 
I think we've always had a healthy mentality because we, you know, we always viewed it as we're golfing, right? But you're competing against yourself. The unhealthy people at some point too, I think they get to a point where they realize there's, there's enough room for everybody here. Right. So I, I, I but listen, ask the- me that question off here. <laughs> I thought no, you were going to say my camera. No, there's, listen, the, the, <laughs> the comedy community, there's this, the, the ones that are really working, yeah. um, they're usually, right. you know, everybody respects each other. And, you know, we uh, we pretty much know, because it, it is it's such a small community. You know? Yeah, It is, it is. I mean, well, there's a lot of people trying to do it, but, you know. Of course. Uh, and, uh, you know, in this day and age. Josh uh, Wolf. <laughs> Josh Wolf. Josh Wolf was supposed to be here today. Oh, I thought he was he coming. Can't, he left. He's not coming. He canceled on me. Uh, Last him. minute, man. That guy's got like two million followers on YouTube. He's got a lot yeah. of followers. He's, yeah. What did you guys do during the pandemic, by the way? Before I let you go, like, what were you guys doing? I moved to Nashville. I got the hell out of Los Angeles. I moved to Nashville, and yeah. um, you know, just my kids are yeah. so much happier. My wife's happier. I love it. And I wrote two or three feature scripts and. I'm about to write and direct one of them uh, in January. Oh, wow. So, yeah. You got a lot done. <laughs> got a lot done, yeah. Very yeah. excited about it. It was the opposite for me. I, I got divorced right before the oh, pandemic. Oh, no. Lost everything. Oh, my went God. Went to Florida to sleep on my mother's couch. You know? Oh, my I, God. You know, I want to be with a woman that actually loved me. And then COVID hit. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But here's the crazy part. I, I mean, when I tell you I'm on the balls of my, you know, I signed the divorce papers April 8th, you know, took a bit of a hit. April 17th, I get the call from the agent. Cobra Kai got picked up. Boom. Got, got, got a nice shot in the arm. Then I'm like, all right. And and you know what else? Another reason why I chose Vegas is we're essential. Entertainers are essential workers here. Right. So I couldn't get unemployment during COVID because yeah. I was living in Ohio. They yeah. don't even have entertainers. That would be funny, like if you just cameoed at a local car dealership and just pretended like you were selling that I'm cars. Selling cars. That somebody, right, yeah. a, a fan of the show, just saw you there. They'd probably freak out. Wait, that's what you really do for a living? Or they'd be uh, like, "Hey, you look like that guy. <laughs> you're really method. Uh, yeah, you're really not good. really acting. Yeah. Well, like listen. I didn't really. I was never born in New Jersey. I just planned that, and I'm not really Italian. I just grew up. Right. For this role. You would have fooled me. You would have fooled me. <laughs> I, I was method acting. Well, listen, you guys, I, I'm a big fan of both. I, and I didn't even know you were going to be here. It's really a pleasure having well, dude, you here. Well, dude, when, I, when, when he's, like I said, man, we, we have almost 20 tomorrow. years of friendship. Join? He's like, ah, maybe. I'm like, it's a sapphire. He's like, what time do you want to pick you up? <laughs> and and the minute awesome. Brett walked in, he goes, they go, Mr. Ernst, here's your mail. I was like, what is that <laughs> Well, I want you guys to enjoy yourselves. I, I appreciate both of you guys being here. You, you guys pal. are both two brilliant comedians. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. I will uh, always, always catch you guys. My man. Uh, w- Anytime you want to come, just I'd show up. To. I'd just love walk to. up to the front door. I would love to do that yeah. and, and see some of your stand-up. And, and, Steve, you're the best. I'll be seeing you over there at Jimmy Kimmel very, very soon. Thank you, both you guys. Steve, Brett, thank both of you guys for being here. Really appreciate and why, it. And why, before the air, you brought a T-shirt and said, Brett, can I return this merch? <laughs> <laughs> see, Steve is just a funny guy, man. You're just, you're just. Uh, he's, always, he's, you don't he's have a, a hoot. Steve doesn't really have an off switch, though. Oh, I, I, I do. Does he really have oh, an do, off yeah. switch? Yeah. I feel like he's he's just always nonstop. No, the minute the mic's gone. Do you take gone. Ritalin or what's the deal? Nope. Once, well, once the mic's gone. I, it's over. I, I will say <laughs> uh, I it's it hard to differentiate sometimes because he's always yeah he's always a smart ass. <laughs> I like that though. I love that. I can relate. Anyway, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank really so appreciate much, it. Appreciate We're gonna get Frank Citrus back on uh, uh, after this. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on 107.1 FM, 1400 AM. We're broadcasting live from the Sapphire Gentlemen's Club Topless Pool. Come by and say hello. Take a quick break. We'll be back. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP.
Clements. Thank you so much for joining us. One more segment, then we're wrapping it up here at, uh, well, I mean, we're wrapping up the show, but I ain't leaving anytime soon, I'll tell you that. Uh, we're at uh, the Topless Pool, Sapphire Gentlemen's Club. We're having a great time. I got to be honest, I didn't know uh, Brett from uh, Cobra Kai was going to be stopping by. Uh, I knew Steve was going to be here, but I love those guys, so that was really a treat. I'm telling you, Steve is one of the best comics around, and uh, Brett, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of his as well, so that was really cool to see those guys and have them come by. And Frank is really angry at me because, uh, you know, I, I just bumped him for a couple comics. Frank, uh, will you please accept my apology? Well, listen, I understand because I've been bumping things my whole life. <laughs> I understand. Listen, that. I want to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? <laughs> yes. You please know, tell I, me a story. While I was waiting to listen to these guys, which I really appreciate yes. listening to them because they're, yeah. they're so spontaneous and, and funny and all. But, you know, I'm looking around, and, and, and uh, an old memory came back. Yes. Now I'm older than anybody. So I'm looking at the pool with all these beautiful ladies here, and a lot of these muscle-bound guys walking around with their <laughs> chest out. Reminds me when I was a young, young guy. I was like what was known in the comic book days of the 90-pound weakling, you know. And I remember being in Kingsburg, New Jersey as a young little kid. And I'm on the beach, and this muscle-bound bully, he threw me to the ground and kicked sand in my face, and I ran home. So, you know, I happened to pick up a comic book, and there was the article in there about lifting weights, Charles Atlas. So I said, you know what? I lifted weights every day for the whole year. I pumped myself up. I even went to work for the police canine unit so I could be around vicious things so I wouldn't be afraid because I wanted to go back the next summer, which I did. I went back to Kingsburg, New Jersey. I knew that guy would be on the beach showing off his muscles. I walked right up to him and I shot him three times. Oh my God! Anyway, so I what wasn't, else do you want to talk about? I wasn't expecting the end of that story to end that way, Frank. <laughs> well, that, I'll be honest with you. Well, um, I, I was not expecting freak that. those weights. Yes. Hey, here's a question I've never asked sure, you. Who's sure. your favorite comic of all time? You know, actually, I have a lot of different people that I enjoy. There was a Jewish fellow I used to love who was Myron Cohen. Oh, I thought you were going to say me. But you know, right. I used to hang out with a bunch of guys in New York. Late at night, I used to chaperone them and bodyguard them. Uh, Henny Youngman, um, Maury Amsterdam, uh, the actor uh, uh, John Carradine. Yeah. I, I mean, the list went on and on and on. And I would sit and listen to these guys, and they would write routines. And there was a point they would ask me my opinion, and next thing you know, I was accepted into their crowd all the way yeah. because my mind was somewhat like theirs, you know, and uh, uh, I don't want to say I had a specific comedian, mm -hmm. but each of the ones that I enjoyed yeah. had a different aspect to their comedy. Sure, sure, and sure. And you know what? Unlike today, yeah. a comedian, I mean, every word out of their mouth is basically a, a four-letter word. I don't need that. I've been cursing my whole life, but <laughs> all the comedians I knew, they didn't do that. Right. They left it to your imagination. I would and say, you know what? It yeah. just worked better. It just worked better. I would say, arguably, the most famous Joe Pesci scene 
is the scene in Goodfellas when he says, what, you think I'm funny? I amuse you? Like, wow. Like, amusing? You find me amusing? I love that scene. It's so great. You know, I actually thought Joey had to do a couple of things that he did. He did one in Raging Bull, and he did one in the uh, Goodfellas. Yep. You know, and... uh, I mean, I can't talk about it right now, but <laughs> jo- Joey, you know, he was not a very big guy. If you, are there, you know. uh, Frank, are there things that you, uh, many of things I would imagine that you will take to the grave, you will never talk about with anybody? Is that fair to assume that? There are Without things you doubt. won't even tell your wife, right? No, there's, listen, uh, let me tell you something about that. I've been married twice. Mm-hmm. I have two sets of children. Mm-hmm. I got two grown daughters that are in their 60s. I got... Two children with my previous wife of 50 years that in their that in their thirties. I do not discuss anything with any of my family members about what I might or not have done in my lifetime. It doesn't come up unless somebody else brings it up and I might have to explain something. I don't do it. Understood. With that being said, I will ask you this question. Without you being specifically involved, I'm asking you a very general question. The the rumors that in the desert, a lot of bodies in the desert, um, and I'm not well, saying you were involved you in any of that. I'm just saying. I got a solid alibi for every one of those questions. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Allegedly. But and there's a lot more barrels in that lake than you think. But that's, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, it's true though, right? I mean, that's not a rumor. Absolutely. But yeah. you know what? When the... So-called boys ran this down. And you ask anybody that's been here for a while, they want that to come back. Right. Because a woman could walk down the street any hour, day or night. There wasn't anybody thinking about saying a bad word to her. There wasn't none of this garbage that's going on. That's in every city around the world now. I mean, they let it go too far. But it's amazing. Yeah. Not that I'm prejudiced. No. But. Understood. Understood. Isn't it understanding this that in most Italian neighborhoods, there ain't too many break-ins, there ain't too many people getting kidnapped? Very true. There there must be a reason. You understand? No, no, no question. I want to take this opportunity, first of all, to thank uh, some of my sponsors, Brian Slipock, Jackson's Bar and Grill. They got great promotions this month, including Ford of the Royal. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I hit Ford of the Royal. (laughs) Uh, But you got a great promotion where if it goes Ford of the Royal, you get a chance to win up to $3,000 Mondays and Wednesdays. I know, Frank, you'll agree with me. It's a great bar. It's a legendary bar and great Let me interject just for a second here without, because this was not rehearsed. Yes. Brian has been my friend a lot of years. If you really want a touch of old Vegas, yes. this is the man that runs the joint that way. A hundred percent. Everybody is up close and yep. personal with him. They got a great camaraderie amongst the uh, the people that hang out there. No question. You could go 24 hours to get some deed. This man has fought a lot of bad element over the years because of society and has still come through. And on top of it, if you want just a place... To have a nice cocktail, this is the place. No to better hang place. Out. Couldn't no ag- better place. Couldn't agree with you more. I'm very lucky to know people like Brian, of course, Blake Gwynn uh, from Keller Williams, and uh, you know, plenty of uh, Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care. I'm very fortunate to be around some wonderful people that support 
what I do. Uh, Frank and Brian, been a pleasure having you both here today. Uh, please you, relax, you, enjoy yourself, uh, enjoy the weekend. I know Frank, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for his upcoming new show. I know it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And Brian, I will be at... Uh, I'll be at uh, Jackson's Bar and Grill very time, uh, very soon. Uh, thanks for yes. joining us, everybody. Have a great one. My pleasure. And we will see you on Thank Monday, you everybody. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned.